Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. And I'm so excited as we are in this series on the Holy Spirit, but you know, I heard about a story of a 92-year-old man who wasn't feeling up to par, and so he, he went to his doctor a few days later, the doctor saw him out in the park with a beautiful young lady by his side. He seemed as happy as he can be. And the doctor said, wow, you are feeling a lot better, aren't you? Well, he said, doctor, I'm just following your orders. You said, get a hot mama and stay cheerful. And the doctor said, I didn't say that at all. I said, you got a heart murmur. Be careful. <laughs> Check with your neighbor and say, are you listening today? Are you listening today? Are you listening? Are you listening? Somebody just got it. (laughs) This is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, Pentecost Sunday is a great thing as we celebrate the power of the Holy Spirit that came. We've been talking about wind and fire. And the wind and fire are very powerful forces of nature. And we feel them. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the Spirit of God really, I believe, is the most overlooked and underutilized resource that Christians have. If you're with me, say yes. So much power, there's so much promise in God's Word, and yet so many Christians never think about or talk about or engage with the Spirit of God. On the other hand, I think there are a lot of people who are new to church and you hear about the Holy Spirit and remind you of one night while you were channel surfing, you came across somebody that was speaking and doing some crazy things. Sometimes we formulate things out of that, mystical, mysterious, and we don't want anything to do with it. But there's a promise of God in Scripture about the Holy Spirit that we need to engage with. Last week, we said that the Holy Spirit in you is more valuable than even Jesus right beside you. It's so true because he says in John chapter 16, when I go away, I'm going to give you a helper, an advocate, somebody that's going to be right there with you all the time. He's more valuable than if I would be if I just stayed here, Jesus is saying. And before today, you ask, is this true? I want to ask you a question first. Do you want it to be true? Here's the offer on the table that God has for every single one of us today. The spirit in you transforms you. The spirit in you transforms you. What, What do you mean by that, John? When the Holy Spirit is in us and we allow him to do his work that he wants to do, we are transformed to be more like Jesus. That's the transformation that scripture talks about. Are you with me? That's it. Not transformed to do what you and I want to do but transformed to be more like Jesus. How many of you know that we all want to be more like Jesus? Isn't that true? That should be our aspiration and our goal every day that we live, right? And that's an offer that God has for every single one of us today. That addiction that has you by the throat, the Holy Spirit can help you with. Do you know that today? That Holy, that, that the Holy Spirit is here to help you with your addiction today. Not tomorrow, Today. That relationship that's gone sideways in your life, the Holy Spirit can help you with that this morning. That difficulty that you have, uh, that you have at work with a coworker or maybe with a family member today, the Holy Spirit is the power of God that is in you to transform you through that situation. Would you want that to be true today? 
Have you ever thought about how bad of a person you would be without Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit? Oh, I have. I mean, really. I'm not bad in a good way, bad in a bad way, like nasty bad. You ever thought about that? Really, without God in your life, without the work of the Holy Spirit in you to help you on every occasion, how bad of a person, I've thought about that many times in my life. I would not be a good person without the work of the Holy Spirit in me as an advocate and as a helper in my life to guide and direct me. And so if you look at that, when Jesus puts his spirit in you, everything changes. Now, do you believe that? That when God puts his spirit in you, everything does change. Oh, yeah, it, that really does happen. And, and that's what I want to talk about today. But this last week, Kristen and I had the opportunity to stop by Breaking Chains on Monday night and got to celebrate with people who are walking in freedom from addictions or whatever it is in their life. And I was so excited we were there to celebrate with them. And it was such an amazing opportunity to be able to rejoice and celebrate with their lives that are coming into freedom. Amen? Breaking chains on Monday night. Jeannie's in charge of that. What, a, what an awesome opportunity. Do you know that people's lives are being transformed in this church? Amen? Did, did you know that? that? That even through a pandemic, God didn't stop? That God is still working and moving and transforming lives and to him be the glory? But I want us to look at today um, this work that Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 talks about the Holy Spirit in you and how it transforms you. Then I'm going to move over to Romans chapter 8. Here's uh, chapter 1 of Ephesians. When you believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, the praise of his glory. Now this deposit, this word here is an interesting word. We would use it for like a down payment on a house. Now, you realize in that you haven't completely paid for the home, but it's yours because you begin to put a down payment on it. That's what God did for you and me. By putting his spirit in you, by giving you more, but we realize this, the spirit is that deposit guaranteeing all that God will give us how. Through this word seal. We're not talking about an aquatic animal here. We're talking about the seal that goes back to the ancient practice of a signet ring. When a dictator, a king, or someone important had an important letter that they wanted to deliver to someone, they would take the wax, they would pour the wax out on the letter to seal it, and then they would take the signet ring and put that image on there it was inverted so that when you pressed it, you could see it in the wax. Pontius Pilate, who had Jesus crucified, had Jesus' body put in a tomb, and then he sealed the tomb. They rolled the stone, we know, Scripture tells us, in front of the tomb. And then what would happen in that is that they would draw a string from the stone and put some wax on either side of the tomb and they would take his signet ring and press it into the wax to leave an impression there. And when he did that, everyone who came by the tomb would see that this was sealed by Pilate and it's the property of the government. You realize that anyone who broke that seal would pay the penalty of Pilate if they didn't have the authority of Pilate to break the seal. And this is what God is saying to you and to me. You and I 
have been marked by the Spirit of God. And you may not be able to see it. You may not be able to see it in the person that's next to you, but I guarantee you the angels of heaven see the mark that is on your life. And they know that you and I are under the possession of God. And I guarantee you today, the demons in hell see the mark and the seal that God has placed upon your life that they are not able to cross that line. How many of you are thankful for that? Amen? Right? Because you and I are under the protection and the power of God. That is the seal that he's talking about in the Holy Spirit that has marked our lives. Do you want that to be true for you? Because the way it's described in Romans chapter 8 is the majesty and the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives us to transform our lives. Now, Romans chapter 8 is an amazing chapter of the Bible, isn't it? There is more Holy Spirit here per square inch than anywhere else in the Bible. Did you know that? Romans chapter 8. And I want to talk to you today about three things the Holy Spirit is doing for you when you and I are in Christ Jesus. So you need to know this. We need to know this because we need the Holy Spirit in our lives functioning every single day. Three things the Holy Spirit's doing for you. Number one, the Spirit in you transforms you with freedom. Can somebody say freedom? freedom. This is not a freedom to do what you want, right? Specifically, it's a freedom from condemnation. I can't tell you how important it is in your life that you would be free from condemnation so that you can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are living under condemnation today, you are not fully living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? This chapter opens verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I think this is the hardest thing that Christians have to believe. We believe that God forgives us. We believe that other people forgive us, and we receive that. We believe God we receive from others, but forgiving ourselves seems to be a whole lot harder, isn't it? Some have been holding on to guilt and shame that God has already took away from us. I just wonder today, what sin have you been holding against yourself for so long? What sin is that? And would you let God's presence, his spirit, wash you today and cleanse you from that so that you don't have to continue to live under condemnation? How many of you know you can't wear spiritual ankle weights and win a race? How many of you are with me? Have you ever put on ankle weights before? You realize you can't move very quickly, can you? Because they are on there. You can't even jump very high in your life. You can't win a race when you're wearing an ankle weight. And so many people are wearing an ankle weight. And some people think it's a spiritual thing. It's not spiritual to be weighted down by condemnation. Amen? Because God has given us freedom through his spirit. Some of you have far too long been wearing ankle weights of guilt and shame. And the Holy Spirit wants to free you today. And to remove that from you. Sometimes it's a self-imposed lie. Sometimes it's a lie that we have allowed the enemy to come in and we believe it. Verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, what the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Listen, if God has forgiven you, regardless if, other, if another person has forgiven you, 
you can be forgiven and transformed into freedom today. Not just freedom from condemnation, but it is a freedom to live a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? That's true. That's his word. Through Jesus Christ, we have this. You're never going to live your best life wearing ankle weights. Paul goes on in verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with God's spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. And now this, this language may sound a little or maybe hard to understand religious-wise, but, but you know exactly what this means, don't you? You've seen the cartoon, haven't you, with the angel on one shoulder and the devil with a pitchfork on the other? How many of you have ever seen that before, right? You've seen that? You've seen that? That's not an angel and a devil. That's you. It's all you. Because you and I have a higher impulse because of the spirit of God in you. When you put your faith in Christ, he puts his spirit inside of you. And you have this drive now to live for God. But also, we understand we have basic instincts that are alive and well inside of us as well, as well that play tug of war with our soul. How many of you realize that every single day there's a tug of war that's happening in your soul, right? So Paul goes on to say, verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. I don't know about you, but we need our minds governed by the spirit, amen, today, that is full of life and peace rather than death. Sometimes it's literal life and death, but certainly metaphorically. You know what it's like to carry the weight around of shame and whatever it may be. It draws you in the, into a lifestyle that you don't intend for yourself or even those around you. But how many of you know scripture tells us to walk in the spirit? We're to walk by the spirit, amen? Every single day, walk by the spirit. Why do we walk by the spirit? Because the spirit is going somewhere. Amen? The spirit is on the move. And so we're to walk in the spirit. We're to walk in that. And so he's saying in here, the spirit is only taking you one place. And that is to the place where you bring glory to God. He's also saying here, well, you could... Walk in the flesh as well, but walking in the flesh means moving to please yourself. So every day we have this tug of war that's going on within us. Either we will walk in the spirit or we will walk in the flesh. But he says, listen, I can transform you if you will allow me so that you can live your life walking by my spirit. Look at verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives within you. This is who we are, a new man, a new woman in Christ Jesus, because you put your faith in God, he puts his spirit within you. And because the spirit transforms you, he transforms you with freedom in his spirit. He transforms you with hope. This is hope specifically to belong, because that's what he says. Have you ever struggled to belong in your life? If you look back in your life, I'd probably say every person in here has struggled somewhere in your life to belong somewhere. You know, I mean, I've struggled with this in my life, whatever it may be. I mean, if I go back to elementary school, I was the last one picked to play the basketball games because I was so short. So how many of you ever done that? You kind of try to make yourself look taller? Like, pick me. Pick me, right? The 
growing up, the girls in my class were like a foot taller than me. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so I'm like, wow, they, always, they got picked over me, right? And that? I'm like, come on, man, pick me. Then you go through life and you, you find there's certain areas of your life where you, you're trying to just fit in. You're trying to just belong, right? Some of it could be just even in your own family, whatever it may be, right? You're just like, wow. Maybe it's because you're uh, where you're at in your place of your life. Maybe you're a middle child. But I don't think I'm the only one that struggles with belonging. Like, do I fit? Some of you walked into this room today and you're wondering, do I belong? You look over your shoulder, you wonder, are people going to figure me out sooner or later? I really don't belong here. And here is the word of the Lord, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. When you put your faith in Jesus, he puts his spirit in you. And that spirit affirms in your spirit that you do belong because you are a child of God. And I love how Paul puts it in verse 15. The spirit you received does not make you what? Slaves. The Holy Spirit in you does not make you a slave. No, no. That you live in fear. And again, rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And that is such a powerful word. And my mind sometimes has difficulty getting around the word adoption because how gracious God has been to every single one of us. I always respected people who have adopted other children. I remember growing up and having two cousins being adopted from Korea. And my aunt and uncle adopted them. And I remember getting to hold both of them coming off the plane from South Korea and got, got to hold them and got to see them grow up, and got to see them follow Christ, and they were immediately part of the family. There was not, hey, we know you're from another ethnicity, you don't belong here. It was immediately, we love you, we accept you, you are one of our own. And some of you are wondering today, do I belong? I don't know the Bible like other people here do. I don't even know how to pray like other people do. I mean, you don't understand, I've got this past in my life. And when you look around, you look around in insecurity, and I want you to know this, that everyone in this room is adopted just like you. And so we are all the same. Amen, church, are you with me? We are all the same. Let's never forget that. That means God has chosen you. He marks you with a seal of ownership, power, protection, and all of us are there. That is the power of his presence to draw us nearer to him. If you're not a follower of Christ, I want you to know that you belong here as well. We welcome you. But you know, there's a deeper level of belonging, a deeper level when you put your faith in Christ Jesus, that he will put his spirit in you. And here's what happens. Verse 15, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, that the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are, we are God's children at that moment. That, that's powerful. The moment we accept Christ, the spirit of God in us cries, Abba, Father, that he is our father in heaven. We know at that moment we are adopted and I, I'm not sure we fully understand this, but he goes on in verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God. Really? 
I mean, you wonder, well, what kind of benefits does that have? But it's even more. We are co-heirs with Jesus. So here is Jesus here, and here's me, and God gives the inheritance. It's distributed to all of us. That's amazing. What, like, what does Jesus inherit? You've ever asked that? Do you have the capacity to believe that God would give you all the riches he plans on giving to Christ? All the riches that are to Christ goes to you and me because we are adopted. We are heirs with him. And and some of you, you think, okay, well, what's the catch? Well, the catch is there. Verse 17, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. Amen? That when we suffer for Jesus and with Jesus, we inherit with Jesus as well. The reason why this is so important is because so many of you are going through suffering right now. You may be struggling at work because of your testimony for Jesus Christ. You may be left out of school because you've decided to make Jesus a priority. Maybe sometimes in our suffering we think, well, God has turned his eye from me. And I'm going to tell you today, oh, no, he doesn't. Oh, no, he doesn't. Our suffering in Christ is with Christ and for Christ and will be rewarded as Christ was. Second, the Spirit transforms us with hope to endure. We aren't just transformed in hope to belong, but hope to endure. And I don't know about you, but this second point to me just stands out. Because I am seeing many people fall away from the faith right now. Many people that are choosing a different way of life from the life they knew in Jesus Christ. And we need his spirit in us, yes, to transform us, but there is a spirit of God that is in us to help us to endure no matter what we are going through. There's hope. And Paul says, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Amen to that. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we await eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. That, what is he saying here? He's saying our suffering is the first fruit of our inheritance. It's the first fruit of our inheritance. So maybe you're going through something that's really difficult. That, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. No, all of his children suffer. We will be rewarded in the resurrection for what we are going through right now. That's our hope. And man, do we need hope. Verse 24, for in this hope, we are what? We are saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have, he says. But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. Are you patient in your suffering today? Sometimes I'm not, right? We don't get very patient. If you are, he says, the Holy Spirit will intercede for you. Even when it hurts so bad, we cannot pray that the Holy Spirit helps us pray. I hope you're getting this today and understanding why we need the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's in us even when we don't even know what to pray. And it's so bad and the things are so difficult in our life. And we feel so gridlocked that it is the Holy Spirit that will help us pray, pray through 
Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Have you ever been in a place in your life when you tried to pray and you have no words? And it's in that moment, you, oh, God. Oh, Lord. It's all we can seem to do just to get out a groan because inside of our spirit, there's so much turmoil and frustration. And it's in that moment, Scripture tells us, that groan, that wordless groan, when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit before the throne of God intercedes through your groaning. And sometimes that's all that's needed to be said. Because I'm glad the Spirit is praying for us because we don't even know how to pray sometimes. That is what? That is, we don't know the language of prayer like God does. We don't know what the Spirit of God translates for us. And the word intercede is the word appeal, that when we do that, that we see there's an appeal that's made through the work of the Holy Spirit to the Father. The Spirit translates that into appeal that is according to the will of God. And if we pray from our heart, even in our groaning, in our anguish, even in our prayers, if they're only groans, they are exactly as they should be by the time they reach our Heavenly Father. Somewhere in the room today, There's a single mom trying to figure out how to pay the mortgage payment. There's a man in the room that doesn't know what zip code your child is in. There's someone going through another round of chemo. And I want you to know today that the Holy Spirit is interceding for you and with you in wordless groans before the throne of God. Let me ask you again. Would you want that to be true? Would you want to believe that when you put your faith in Jesus, he puts his spirit in you? And that his spirit marks you with a seal? Please hear my heart. This is not a message of weakness or self-pity. I hope you get that. That's not this message. That's not Romans 8. It is about his spirit alive and well inside of us. Which leads me to my last point. The spirit of God in us transforms us with confidence to face our future, even in the midst of suffering. And what it is, is the confidence over our past. Paul's about to describe the judgment seat of God in these last couple of verses. And it's overwhelming thought. So he says in verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will we not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God, against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us today. Now, I don't know what the judgment scene is going to look like, but it's some type of courtroom setting, that's for sure, you know. 
but we all deserve punishment for what we've done in our lives. But, but our nail-scarred Jesus is going to stand and say, listen, I have taken the penalty for all of their sins on the cross. And the gavel of God will come down with a thunderous roar and say, not guilty. That is why we have confidence in the midst of our suffering. That no matter how difficult life is or could be, that we put our faith in God, he puts his spirit in us. And we can have confidence over our past and also over our enemies. And as Paul flourishes at the end of this chapter, this word echoes through the ages. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake? We face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is our declaration, amen? That is our declaration that the love of God, that we will not be separated from that. Amen? That is the hope we have. That is why you and I need the work of the Holy Spirit in us. That is why we need the wind and the fire of the Spirit of God to breathe on us again as his people, as his church in these days. We are children of the living God, marked by him. There is a seal that the enemy cannot break. And we are under his protection and his power. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your word today out of Ephesians 1 and Romans chapter 8, Lord, that tells us when we put our faith in you, you put your spirit in us that can help us go through anything that we are going through today. Even the prayers we're praying that there's no words for God, that even when we groan, the Holy Spirit is able to make the appeal to the Father in heaven Lord, today, and you know the things that are going on inside of us. And so, Lord, transform us today with confidence by your power that, Lord, we have been made more than overcomers and nothing can separate us from your love. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.